welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. Today on the podcast, I have my friend, Sian Edgerton, and she is a wife, a mom, a homeschool teacher, a coach, a pastor. She wears many, many, many hats, and I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have today. So welcome, Sian. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So is there anything else that you would like to say by way of introduction? Um, I think for the most part that covered it. I've got three kids. I've been married for 11 years now. We grew up and then I married military. So we've, uh, I would add traveler to the list. We get to travel all over the place. Um, I'm a writer. I think you pretty much hit the main ones though. <laughs> So have you had a favorite place that you've lived in all of the different places or traveled? Southern California. We were stationed in 29 Palms, California, right in the middle of the Mojave Desert. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I will never forget getting to see and smell the desert for the first time. And so SoCal will always, always hold a special place in my heart. And then as far as traveling, um, my family was actually stationed in Cape Town, South Africa for a while. And so we got to visit a number of times and take a few extended stays there. Um, and so there's just something really, really beautiful and um, just raw about South Africa that we will never forget. So is that your family of origin? That's when you lived in South Africa? Yes. And so okay. they, uh, my dad is prior military and current government. And so mm-hmm. he was at the embassy over there. Okay. And so that afforded us the opportunity to get to visit lots of neat places. But uh, South Africa was definitely our favorite. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I am so excited about our conversation today. When you and I were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about and going back and forth and, and you had said, you know, the long list that I gave of all the things you do. Well, here are some of the things I do, and maybe there's something in there we can talk about. And I just could so relate to the long list of what I like to call side hustles and whether or not you get paid for them. There are these things, all these things that you're doing. And I thought about, you know, what do you do when somebody says, well, what do you do? And and it just felt like, how long do you have? It's complicated. Yes. And then coupled along with that, when you have all these side hustles, all these hats that you wear and all these roles that you're fulfilling in your life, you know, where is it that you're finding your identity? And Mm -hmm. so I just thought it would be great to talk about those two things, because I think a lot of men and women are going to be able to relate to that struggle and to that conversation. So, so how do you answer that question when someone asks you, what do you do? What do you do? I think exactly what you just said with a blank stare and this long, dramatic, like, uh, you know, how much time do you have? I, I don't know. And I struggled with that. It has really taken me a long time to get to a place where I feel like I can even answer that in a satisfactory way. Mm-hmm. And then too, it depends on who's asking and why are they asking? You know, is this mm-hmm. a new acquaintance and they just want to know my story? Is this a friend? Is this a professional networking relationship? And I really need to kind of run through the litany of things so that we can network well. And so even just the context of the conversation, I think 
makes a difference. Um, but it is, it's hard because our, what are you asking? Are you asking, what do I get paid for? Because mm-hmm. in various seasons of my life, that has been not much. Mm-hmm. Are you asking like, what's my title? What's on my business card? Are you asking who I am? Because we have this, you know, this innate kind of human psychological need to compartmentalize and understand. And so when I say, well, what do you do? Does your answer to that help me understand a little bit more about who you are and relate to you better? Um, So yeah, it's a tough one. And it's taken me a really long time to even wrap my head around that question of what do you do? So as, as you were talking, I was thinking about, has there ever been something that you do that's hard to say out loud this is what I do. This is what I am to kind of claim that new thing. Like when I started a podcast to to introduce myself as a podcast, which the first time I had to do it was at Azer Collective. I had to stand up in front of everybody and say, uh, <laughs> I'm a podcast yeah. host. And in some situations too, some people are like, oh, what? What is that? Because mm-hmm. they don't listen to podcasts or whatever. But I mean, has there ever been anything for you that you have had trouble kind of claiming as the thing you do. Yeah. I think two specific things come to mind for two very different reasons. Um, years ago, and this is, I was still in a season of really understanding my identity in Christ and who I am and where my true worth and value come from and that it's comes from, and it's not in what I do. It's in who I am and the fact that I am a totally accepted, fully affirmed and approved of child of God. And I was still in the process of discovering God's grace and all of that. And I went through this season where God actually called me away from the church that I had been pastoring at. And I went into this kind of like long two year um, season where I was exploring and discovering a lot of new things. But during that time, I was mainly in theory at home with my kids and I struggled having always been a working professional person Mm -hmm. and having been an achiever and someone who totally found my identity in what I did and living in, you know, the Western culture and society that we do that very much values title and climbing the ladder Mm -hmm. and all of these other things. And what's your Enneagram? Do you know your Enneagram? Oh, yeah, I am a like almost even split between a one and a three. So okay. I've got this really nasty like achiever, perfectionist, <laughs> you know, mix, like tornado happening yeah. inside constantly. Um, but I really, I struggled. I struggled in that season when people said, what do you do? And at the time, I, I didn't even, you know, have any real side hustles going. And to be able to say, I'm a mom. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm home with my kids. And it felt like not enough. I struggled because of the fact that my identity was not in a good, solid, healthy place at that time. I struggled claiming the role of being just a mom, which Mm -hmm. is horrible. And it took so much heart work um, and it took so much time with the Lord to deconstruct so much of what my identity was built on to get to the place where I understood my worth and my value outside of what I do and to be able to really claim and not only claim, but value my role. Mm -hmm. And there are other things that I have a desire and a dream to do outside of that, but to claim and value the importance of my role as a mother, as the discipler of my children, as a co-parent with my husband and the great kingdom value that that has. So that was one because of identity reasons. The second one that I have always struggled to claim. Before you go to your, your second one, what's your first one? Yeah. Was mm-hmm. part of it, because when I, I 
have stayed home with my my boys. And part of it was because I and struggled with the, the title of mom. Uh-huh. Part of it was because there was no dollar associated uh-huh. to it. And so right. trying to find the trying to find the value of what I was contributing to the family that there was no dollar uh-huh. sign on it and it was all my own. Uh-huh. My husband uh-huh. it was not anything from him. In fact, he was like, "Are you kidding me about what you're contributing yeah. to our family?" Let me, yeah. let me, let me list thy ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it. Cause I mean, in theory, as a mom, I'm a chef, I'm a chauffeur, I'm a nurse, I'm a counselor, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all of these different things, but none of them are formal or professional. None of them do I actually get paid for. And at the end of the day, I think that's one role that unfortunately our culture doesn't value and honor as much as it should. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I've also loved so much about all of the time that we've spent in Africa in a culture that values the mother, in a mm. culture that values the role that a woman plays in her home and in her village and in her tribe and, and honoring that role. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of it was cultural. A lot of it was, I can't put a dollar sign on of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was, of course, a lack of solid identity. But yeah, it feels really loose. It feels like trying to hold water in your hands mm-hmm. when you're mm-hmm. describing that your job is that of mom. Right. And I remember early on, I think I just had one child at the time and was at home. And I said, ran into someone that I'd gone to college with. And she said, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I stay at home. And she said, oh, well, what did you do before? And I was like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. what I do now doesn't have any value. I mean that, Yeah. okay, let me, let me clarify too that some women are called to work outside the home. And Absolutely. that's the, I think the question is, what are you called to do? Not... Every woman should do this or that. It's what is God calling you to do? And I was called to stay home. And Mm -hmm. I was really like just slapped in the face with, oh, what do you do before? It's like, um, Mm -hmm. whatever. (laughs) Right. Right. And being able to celebrate each other's. I mean, Mm -hmm. we currently homeschool right now because in this season of life, that's what works for us. In the past, we didn't. Our kids were in public school. I've been a working professional. I've been a working mom and Mm -hmm. now I'm a mom who's home with a whole bunch of side hustles and (laughs) it's just from one season to the next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is God calling me to right now? And how can I not only walk in obedience to that, but celebrate the obedience of the person next to me, even if it looks totally different from my own and Mm -hmm. honor that in them. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so what was the second one? The second one was less identity and more imposter syndrome getting in the way. Mm. Um, The second one was that of writer, to be able to claim and say, I am a writer, Um, partially because it took me a while to get to the place of understanding that there's a difference between a writer and an author. It almost felt... um, Ooh, talk about that. Well, it felt really insincere for me to say I'm a writer because I have nothing to show for it. I have no published work. Mm. And, and it took me a while to understand there is a difference between saying I am a writer, which acknowledges that I have the gift of writing and that I've been called to utilize that gift to advance the kingdom. There's a difference between that and an author, which is a paid professional who has published books. I am not yet an author, aspiring author, mm-hmm. got a book in the works. But I'm not yet an author. I am a writer, though. And that's a a passion that I've always had. It's a gift that God gave me. And it's part of what I am called to use to advance his kingdom and to 
spread his love and his truth and his message with the rest of the world. And so right now for me, what that looks like is being really intentional with how I use my social media. Um, I also have a weekly email that goes out to my subscriber list, kind of uh, like leadership focused devotional style, Mm -hmm. um, just bits, you know, tips and words of encouragement and things like that, like practical, um, you know, kind of personal growth and leadership development stuff. So I have the weekly email newsletter that goes out. And so I'm using those gifts in a very particular way right now. And that will hopefully look different in the future. At some point, it may shift from writer to author, but I'll always be a writer and being able to claim that and value that. And the other part of it too, was I felt like, well, again, with the mom thing, it's not good enough. And that was an identity thing. It felt like, well, I'm not really doing anything. I don't want to claim the fact that I'm just a writer. That word just, it was one that I had to erase from my vocabulary. I'm just a mom. I'm just a writer Mm -hmm. feeling like, okay, but I'm not actually doing anything. I'm not out there serving the poor and feeding the hungry and housing the homeless. And I'm not actually out there actively fighting against injustice and oppression. And I'm not doing anything actively for racial reconciliation. I'm just writing. And it felt like it wasn't powerful enough and that it didn't actually make a difference. I can't remember, you know, how many times I would say, um, oh, well, a book is never going to change the world. A book is never actually going to do anything to put food in the mouth of a hungry person. But that was absolutely a lie of the enemy because we know that words are powerful Mm -hmm. and messages are communicated that way. And I'll never forget, I had a counselor, we were talking through this and she told me once, she said, you know, the one thing that the enemy is after is your destiny. And she said, when you can finally get more pissed off, can I say pissed off? Yeah. Yes, you can say Okay. Off. All of a sudden, I just thought, ooh. She, she said, when the day comes that you can get more pissed off about that than you are afraid of being a writer, you'll actually be able to walk in what God called you to. As long as you can stay bound up in the lies of fear, you're not going to give yourself over fully to the gifting that God gave you. And that's the day that needs to come. And I just remember how powerfully that hit me and especially helped me to walk through that process of being able to claim what God has given me. So what did that look like? What did that look like? to? Oh, and also back to your email list that you talk about leadership. You are in the leadership team for Azer Collective too, which is something yep. important to, to say. And the list of side hustles, that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so then what did that process look like for you to to claim that, to, to, to stand in that. I think the internal part was ongoing over that course of time when I was in transition between leaving my role of pastoring the church that I was at and kind of to where I am right now. It was just a huge rebirth of identity. It was a lot of wilderness time, but also just nurturing kind of tender time. Um, I've been in counseling regularly during that time. To be honest too, part of it was finally going on an anti-anxiety medication because part of the kind of internal turmoil that I was feeling was because I was really wrestling with anxiety and depression. And Mm. for so long I thought 
that and said, nope, I'm, I'm good. I can power through. I'm just going to pray my way through it. And not to discount the power of prayer at all, but to recognize that for me in this season right now, part of my healing is coming through this medication mm-hmm. and that's okay. And mm-hmm. so it was, there was this whole just season of resting and abiding and deconstructing lies and rebuilding identity. And that happened through just my own personal abiding time with the Lord. It happened through mentors and friends and my pastor. It happened through my counselor. And so there was just this huge season of rebirth that happened. And so there was that process of, of building identity. And there was that process of truly understanding whose I am and who I am. And I think at a certain point, it got to where what I really needed to do was to actually claim it and boldly walk it out. And Mm -hmm. so there was like the internal part, but then there was the practical part that was necessary. And that was even harder. It's when I had to get new business cards made that actually said writer and Mm -hmm. coach on them. When I, you know, updated my website, when I started my weekly email thing, um, it's been almost June will be one year that I've been doing that. And I remember sitting down to send out the first one and just thinking, Oh my gosh, freaking (laughs) out. Like I can't do this. Um, and so every time I, update my website or update my social media profiles. Every time I send out one of those newsletters, every time I call myself a writer and I claim that title or coach or mom or whatever it is, every time that I acknowledge that and boldly and unapologetically claim that, that is me kind of putting, you know, hammering one more nail into this is who God has called me to be. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about how counselors helped and your time with the Lord helped. And you also mentioned mentors and coaches and that you coach. Uh-huh. So we'll get to that as well. How did you, because I think sometimes people have difficulty finding mentoring and coaching uh-huh. relationships. So what did that, how did you do that? I guess if someone yeah. is listening and they're thinking, God, I really need a coach or a mentor. How, okay. So two questions, how did you do that? And then how would, what kind of coaching do you do? Mm-hmm. I, so that's a multifaceted question. I think for me, part of it was, um, honestly, part of it is due to the fact that I am a hopeless extrovert and mm-hmm. I will make friends with anybody and I will I talk you. to anybody. <laughs> and if I feel a connection, I'm going to be like, Hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to be friends? Let's go have lunch. I want to pick your brain. Mm-hmm. So part of it is my personality is just like, I think anyone that I meet in the course of a given day has the potential to be a new friend <laughs> or mentor or coach or whatever else it may be. Um, I think too, a lot of it came from the fact that I spent a lot of time building community, community Community and, and tribe is super important to me. I really hold a high value for that. And so we spent uh, nine and a half years in Hampton, Virginia. And the first couple of years was just a lot of setting down our roots and building a foundation and building community and investing in people. And then eventually, you know, through that work, we gained this kind of village of people that we had a relationship with where we were then able to prayerfully say, hey, this particular person or this particular couple, I really just feel like I connect with them Mm -hmm. on a soul level. And I would just approach them say, hey, listen, uh, here's a place in my life that I really want to grow right now. And I feel like I have seen the fruit of your life evidenced. And I would love to just be able to learn from you. And so could I buy you coffee once a month? And can we connect? I think some of the biggest things is 
nobody's a mind reader. And so I have never had someone come to me and say, Hey, I really want to mentor you. I really want to pastor you. I feel called to coach you. I have sought out every single one of those relationships. I've also invested in that. So I'm buying you coffee. I'm buying you lunch. I'm Mm -hmm helping you and serving you in some way so that this is a mutually beneficial relationship. And I've always let them know what to expect. This is the thing specifically that I want you to mentor me in. This is how often I would like for us to meet. This is the duration of time that I would love to say that we're committed to one another in this relationship. So being really clear about Mm -hmm. what I'm asking for and what they can expect from me in the beginning has always been a huge part of it. And then just not being afraid to go for it. I'll never forget the first time I met Jo Saxton. I was part of this year-long women's leadership development thing. And she came one weekend um, to be the speaker and really just loved her work and her heart and, and connected with her and pretty much started stalking her. Um, I was it seems to be a common theme meditation. for Jo. <laughs> people, people just stalk her until she mentors them. <laughs> and I just, I went after it and Uh, eventually, you know, we kind of started messaging back and forth and then we exchanged information and it just slowly grew from there. And then it kind of went into, Hey, I'm starting this huddle with women leaders. Would you like to be part of it? And then it turned into, Hey, I'm going to start having some of these people travel with me when I go to conferences. Would you like to do that? Um, and then it became, Hey, I've got this dream for this thing called the Azer collective. And, you know, would you like to be part of the core leadership team? And, um, but it all started by just saying, Hey, putting myself out there saying, I would love to learn from you. I would love to serve you. What could that look like for us? And being okay with the no too. being okay that sometimes someone's going to say, no, they're just not in a season and don't Mm -hmm. have the capacity to take that on. And sometimes for their own health. Yeah. Sometimes for their own health, they need to say no. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, and a lot of it comes from just starting by building that community and seeing where I connect with people and networking too. a lot of networking, you know, the church that I was a part of. And then our church was obviously part of a larger network of churches in the East Coast, Virginia area and reaching out and kind of very proactively going after it and Mm -hmm. praying into it, too. Like, Lord, here's what I need. Here's where I see the need for growth in my life right now. I'm asking you to put that yes in someone's heart, to bring the person to guide me and give me clarity and who I should be asking, but definitely taking my own active steps towards that. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, and because now you're in the midst of a, another big change, going from <laughs> one coast to the other. Yes, East Coast to West Coast. So what? How? what is that feeling like, you know, thinking about mm-hmm. you've, you're leaving somewhere that you've been for nine years that you spent two years really putting down roots and now you're having to pull those roots out up and go someplace else. Mm -hmm. So how Mm -hmm. are you preparing yourself for this move? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, One of the first things that I did was I reached out to my people in my networks and just Mm -hmm. said, Hey, the Lord is sending us back to the West coast. We're heading out to San Francisco, technically Oakland, California. I said, does anybody know anyone there and have any contacts that I could maybe get in touch with just to pick their brain and ask some questions. And I had three or four different people come back to me from multiple networks that I'm part of and said, yeah, Hey, I've got some people that I'll connect you with via email. And so they did that. 
And that, you know, started with just general introductions. And then it led to, hey, let me pick your brain. Let me ask you a few questions about the area so that we can prepare ourselves to move out there. Mm -hmm. And then for some of those um, relationships, that has now turned into weekly emails and phone calls, getting to know each other. And one of them has already turned into an offer to jump into helping with some um developing leaders programs out there. And I don't know, you know, if that's the way that the Lord's going to lead or not, but it was that very active, proactive, here's where I'm going. Who do you have? You know, I think about when Paul would send one of the, you know, new young disciples somewhere Mm -hmm. and he would connect them. He would network them. And that's what we as the body of Christ get to do for one another is network and connect each other into the greater kingdom family um, for the benefit of the kingdom, for the benefit of ourselves as well. And so Mm -hmm. some of it has come through that. Some of it has been super random. Um, We've been living temporarily in Fredericksburg. Virginia for a few months now. And I met a woman um, at the park. My kids were playing and hers were playing and they hit it off. So we got talking and we've connected a few times now. And she actually um, has friends right in San Francisco and she's connected me with them and they've been helping drive around, look at houses for us. Hmm. You know, so it's just, it's amazing the way that God desires for us to be in relationship with one another. And Mm -hmm. I think when we are stewarding that well and being active about walking in those relationships, I really think he honors, he honors that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. I love what you're saying about being active in it, not just sitting back Mm -hmm. and you know, waiting for God to magically bring mm-hmm. people and connect you to people, but you're yeah. actively seeking it out. And even before you get there. Mm-hmm. I think That's on the great. flip side of that too, those of us who are mature in the faith have responsibility and whether you want to call it mentorship, discipleship, whatever it is, but we are called to exist in relationship and we are called to not only be growing ourselves, but to be learning from others and to be bringing others along behind us. So in the same way that I have actively pursued every mentor disciple relationship that I've ever been a part of. I'm also looking for the people that are crossing my path. Again, is there a soul connection there where I see something and the Lord says, Hey, I want you to nurture that. I want you to be the one to nurture that thing in that person. And I'm going to reach out. And if it's not me, I'm going to connect them. If there is someone who is seeking that relationship and either I'm not the right person, or I just don't currently have the capacity, Mm -hmm. who can I connect you to? What can I put you as part of so that you can get what you need. And Mm -hmm. so as much as we are actively seeking that for ourselves, I think each of us really bears a responsibility to be actively looking for those who aren't connected into a greater community or network or tribe or whatever else Mm -hmm. and drawing them in, including and welcoming and inviting them in and connecting them because that's hugely critically important to our growth as leaders, as disciples of Christ, as humans in general. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's easy to feel like, maybe I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I feel like I'm not connected, but then I met with someone last week who is starting something new, young woman who's starting something new and she's so excited about it and I can see her passion. And then she was talking about her needs and there were, there were things that are not my expertise. I mean, I shared a little bit with her about kind of my own journey, my own walk. Right. But then it was like I came away from the conversation with, you know what, I think you should connect with these three people for these three different reasons and Mm -hmm. let me connect you so it's not a cold call. So -hmm. there's already they know why you're contacting them. Mm -hmm. I'm in 
yeah, I just love the idea that it doesn't even necessarily have to be someone in the same zip code, that someone right. who could mentor you or coach you could be somebody that's that's far away. Like with your email, the friend uh-huh. in San Francisco that you've been emailing with, that it can happen uh-huh. like that. And that that makes it, and it's such a privilege, it's such a privilege to do. And it was super encouraging to me to go, oh, wow, look at all the people I know. And I, and I got to help her. Like, that's super fun. Right. And some of us are wired as those kind of networking connector type people. And I Mm -hmm. think the beauty of it is that I'm not having to take full responsibility for this person. But what God is asking me to be responsible for is what I can do. And if I can connect you to the right person for this season of your life that Mm -hmm. can really invest in your growth, well, then by all means, sign me up. I will do my part. I can send an email and make a phone call to make sure that this person is connected into the greater kingdom at large and into growth and, and furthering their own calling. Mm -hmm. The very cool thing is I just sent one of the emails before you and I connected and Mm -hmm. the person I was trying to connect her to wanted, okay. So the girl, the young woman that I was talking, meeting with is it's about being a health coach. It's about health and our our bodies as a temple. And the woman I was trying to connect her with said, Oh, I just had this renewed, I just made this renewed commitment to be healthier. And so it's going to end up being mutually beneficial. And I was like, Lord, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're all, all you right. are all over it already. Right. Always, you know, I'm always watching and looking when I meet someone new for, okay, how does this connect in mm-hmm. to the greater web of, you know, people that God has put me in, in relationship with. Um, just recently here in Fredericksburg, I popped into this little shop and it's a local store, a shop owner. Um, and she multiple times goes back home to Nigeria to get different goods from different artisans. And she sells them here at this shop. The problem is that there's really not a great market here locally for that kind of, you know, African diaspora, um, supply that she has. And so I asked her, I said, Hey, I love what you're doing, but have you ever thought about going online, maybe have a website or anything like that? And she said, you know, honestly, I just wouldn't even know the first place to start. I would love to, but I kind of feel helpless. And so through another one of my networks, I've got a good friend out in California, Beverly, Mm -hmm. who actually runs the Afropolitan shop. And so she's got this whole online store and she does courses and classes. And I reached out to her and I said, hey, have you ever considered doing like mentoring or offering classes for people who want to start their own online shops? And uh, she said, she emailed me back just that day. She had been praying about expanding her mm. coaching for other African women wanting to start shops and asking the Lord to bring her people. And so here I'm able to make this connection between the two of them. And so I think that's not coincidence. You know, I think that is the Holy Spirit at work and all of mm-hmm. us connecting us for the greater good and growth of the kingdom. And so, yeah, leaning into that and mm-hmm. looking at all the little ways every day that God is allowing us to play a part in what he's doing. It's and the super... privilege, the privilege to get to play a part yes. in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. We just have to be looking for it. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. asking for it too. God, give me opportunities today to make a cool connection. I want to be used. I am your vessel, right? I mean, he wants us to do the things that he has called us to do. And uh, not that he won't work without us, but if I am here at this particular coffee shop on this particular day to make a connection with someone and I am the person that you have positioned here, well, then my gosh, let my eyes and and my heart be open to it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I was just talking to somebody recently and they talked about being open to the interruptions. 
because mm-hmm. the, this person was a, a, a planner person. Mm-hmm. And so he would yep. plan out his day, but he, he said he had to be very cognizant of the interruptions might be mm-hmm. something that might be someone or something that God is purposefully bringing into my life that day. And yep. I need to not be so planned that mm-hmm. I miss it. Absolutely. And I'm super type A. Uh, so I have to do that same thing as well and be remind myself of the fact that what I see as an interruption is actually a kingdom opportunity. And so let me just lean into that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so you said you do coaching. That was one thing that we didn't get to yet. What does, what kind of coaching do you do? So there's a couple different areas that I really love coaching. And I, my heart is that of a teacher. Um, that's what I start years ago before I was an ordained pastor. I was a high school teacher. Um, what did absolutely you teach? just love English and psychology. Oh, interesting. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. <laughs> love it. Yeah. So I'm totally a teacher at heart. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy homeschooling so much right now. But yeah, just that idea of kind of teaching slash coaching of nurturing and developing growth in others has always been super fun for me. So um, I really have a heart for leaders, especially women who lead mm-hmm. because I've been in that world and I know how difficult it can be. And so whether it's most of the women that I work with are in ministry just because that's my personal leadership experience has been in pastoring, but I'm definitely open to others. So leadership coaching in general, um, strategic planning, uh, the type A tendencies really mm-hmm. help a lot when it comes <laughs> to that whole process of, okay, I've got this dream, I've got this idea, and now what? Mm-hmm. And so just that process of really developing and defining a vision and mission and values. And then from there, being able to walk through the process of developing goals. And then from there, being able to put together that strategic plan to really steward well the vision and the dream that God has put inside of us. And so that whole process of strategic planning is super fun. I actually um, got connected to a woman locally who's the pastor who was in the process of church planning. Um, so we connected back in January and I've spent the past five months working with her and really just had the privilege of getting to come alongside her and walk through coach her through strategic planning as she has really developed and prepared to launch this church plant, Mm -hmm. um, that God was birthing in her. And so that's super exciting. So, um, yeah, strategic planning and then leadership development in general, which includes not only the practical side of leadership development, but also that necessary internal personal growth Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I always talk about it like building a house you always start with laying a foundation because everything we do is from the inside out and so when we built that good strong solid foundation of identity that's when we can start focusing on the structure of the house you know our skills and our gifts and our talents Mm -hmm. and all the things that God gave us that we're good at growing those things and then adding kind of general practical leadership skills on top of that to really, you know, round out the whole package. So leadership development and strategic planning is really my heart. That's cool. I was thinking about, as you were talking about the things, the ways that you coach and thinking about all the hats that you wear, I was thinking about how it can feel so overwhelming. I think, well, Uh and you can tell me if you don't agree, but it can feel so overwhelming that you have all these side things, all these things to keep track of. (laughs) But as you were talking, I was thinking about that there's usually a thread of, of a gift or there's a thread of something that runs through all of them that mm-hmm. is a way that God has gifted you, a, a, a tool that you've been given. And has, has that been helpful? Like, do you resonate with that? Has that been helpful? You know, how do you handle the, oh, especially like thinking about anxiety, if that's something in the season mm-hmm. that's kind of been a struggle, how do you kind of manage all of that? 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I do think there's a thread that runs through. I think that when I sit down and look at all the different things that I'm putting my hand to right now, mm-hmm. it all is kind of flowing from this inner, not only identity, but also knowing and being very in tune and self-aware of how God has wired me and how God has put me together, knowing that I'm a Enneagram three slash one, knowing that uh, when it comes to Myers-Briggs, you know, I'm an ENTJ, knowing that I tend to be more type A, that organization and strategy communication and connectedness, our gifts, knowing that I am a teacher and a writer. And so all of these different things are being expressed in different ways in different seasons. And mm-hmm. so in one season, they were being expressed as a public school teacher. In one season, they were being expressed as the campus pastor of the church. In this season right now, they're being expressed through, I'm teaching by coaching and I'm pastoring through my writing. And so it's kind of this core, like, what is my gifting how has God wired me? What is my, my fivefold bent? What do I lean more towards in the fivefold ministry? Mm-hmm. And in this season of my life, how are those things being expressed? And my, you know, I had to get to the point where, um, cause I tried for so long to figure out how to answer that question of, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. And just the amount of tension and turmoil that it brought. <laughs> And I really had to get to the point where I recognized, you know, honestly, there will never be a day where I can satisfactorily answer that question for any given person. My real goal was, can I answer it for myself? And more importantly, Mm -hmm. can I answer that question before the Lord? If I was standing face to face with him and he said, hey, what do you do? Would I be able to say in response, here's what I'm doing with what you gave me? Mm -hmm. You know, I think about the parable of the talents, right? You've got the guy who goes away and he gives all these different talents to his servants and they each do different things with them. And then he comes back and he says, so what did you do with what I gave you? I have really had to internalize that question of, so what do you do? And everybody has to come up with their own human natural response to that. We have to have something we can pull out of our back pocket in order to answer that question. So maybe you pick one of your roles and you just throw it out there. Or maybe it's something like, I actually wear a lot of different hats right now. Here's a few of them, Mm -hmm. whatever. Pick something, decide on something, throw it in your back pocket. The real question though is when the Lord says, what are you doing with what I gave you? I want to be able to say, here's what this looks like right now. So Mm -hmm. I'm writing and I'm coaching and I'm discipling my kids. Here's how I'm using my gifts. I had one of my mentors say once, she said, you know, my goal is that when I get to heaven, I can stand before the Lord and say to him, if you wanted me to do more, you should have given me more to work with. Mm -hmm. Meaning that her goal was to fully use up to the fullest, everything that God had given her, every dream, every passion, every vision, every ounce of gifting and talent and skill and ability and personality to use them fully to use them wisely Mm -hmm. and to use them, you know, with rhythms and rest, but to use it up fully, to not have to say, oh yeah, there's this stuff that I could never really reconcile myself to. And I wasn't actually sure if I'd be good at it and Mm -hmm. what you wanted me to do with it. So I kind of just held on to it and didn't do anything with it. Yeah. So I buried it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I buried it. I love that idea of being able to say, can I answer that question before the Lord right now and feel at peace about it? Mm -hmm. When he says, Sion, what do you do? And I can say, I'm writing, I'm coaching, I'm discipling my kids, and I feel like in this season, I have perfect peace about that. Mm-hmm. That's the answer that I want to be able to to stand on. I love that. And also mm-hmm. thinking about 
the posture of the Lord asking that question. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we could go to the Lord saying, what are you doing? Versus Mm -hmm. what are you doing? You know, I've given you these gifts and -hmm. and they're yours and I've given them Mm -hmm. to you. And I want Mm -hmm. to see you use them. Like my youngest started playing football last year, tackle football. Oh, you're brave. (laughs) It's a long story. It's great. The coaches are great and they'd have a whole concussion (laughs) curriculum thing that they do. It's it's good. I, but I went into it with much trepidation, but he loves it and he has a natural, natural gifting for it. And to sit on the side of the field and like, I could have, everybody's story is different. This is just the decision that our family made, but I could have held him back from using those gifts that he had and that he wanted Mm -hmm. to use. Mm -hmm. But it was so satisfying to see the joy in him Mm -hmm. in taking down the member of the other team, but to use those gifts of the the physical that he has, it was so satisfying. And to think about how much joy I had in seeing him do that. Mm -hmm. And to remember that that is the posture of the Lord wanting me and watching me use my gifts that it's not a yep. shaming thing it's a I love you and this is so satisfying and fulfilling to watch you do your thing with these mm-hmm. gifts that I've given you mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. and I love that picture too you know thinking of it as a parent with a child because there's never going to come a time where my kid what up, does something makes something draws something builds something and brings mm-hmm. it to me and I say oh that's nice but oh, it's not quite big enough mm-hmm. or it's not quite good enough or yeah that's really cool but I mean you know it's no Monet or right. Picasso mm-hmm. and and I think that is so often what stops us from being willing to pursue some of those things use some of those gifts have the side hustle because it feels like in a, in a culture and a society that values bigger and better mm-hmm. to say, oh, well, it's not big enough yet. Maybe I'll do that when I know it can actually be super successful. Maybe I'll start the blog when I know I'll have at least 5,000 followers or maybe I'll, you know, whatever it may be, write mm-hmm. the book or do the podcast or plant the church or mentor the person or launch the business. We look at all of these, you know, we're in a culture that values the the big mm-hmm. and it values the monopoly and not so much the mom and pop. And I think some of us have to recognize that the beauty and the the greatest fruit of our calling is going to be in the mom and pop places. Mm-hmm. And that that's okay. I don't need to have this big monopoly business, you know, conglomeration. If, if God has called me to a small independent mom and pop establishment, that it has just as much value mm-hmm. that the five people that read my blog every week are valuable. And if what he's called me to do is to invest in them and I'm being obedient to that, then I am absolutely fulfilling. If my church of 50 people is continuing to grow and be disciples who make disciples and we're engaged in our community and we are on track with what God has called us to do, then that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, that is enough. It's it's about obedience and not numbers or what the building looks like or any of this other stuff that we get so stuck on. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I mean, even for a while, I had a problem even starting some of these, you know, what we call side hustles because I thought, oh, well, does it really matter? Is it really going to make that much of a difference if I put out this little email newsletter every week? Or mm-hmm. if I, 
you know, mentor this one person. And in my mind, I was always trying to get to what was the next step? What was the bigger piece? And finally having to recognize that whatever is in front of me right now is super valuable. And that's what matters. That's what God has called me to. And not only that, but that's step one. That is laying the foundation. And if there's ever going to be more that God allows me to do or trusts me with, it's going to be because I have proven myself to be a good and wise steward of what he's given me right now. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. that matters. Right. Yeah. Even before I started the podcast, I had to wrestle with where am I going to, before I go into this, how am I going to define if this is successful or not? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not a big name. I'm not a big author, but I felt this calling to do it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the visual to me was always just, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to do the next thing. Mm-hmm. And then realizing that success wasn't going to lie in 5,000 people listening to it every week yep. or 500 or five. <laughs> But that I was, it's what I believe God is calling me to do. I've done it. Mm-hmm. I was obedient. Success. Doesn't matter exactly. what happens now. I was exactly. obedient. So I'm already successful. Exactly. I'm yes. not going to lie. I've had to remind myself of that <laughs> multiple <laughs> times. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. I do. And I think that's, you just, you nailed it. You know, obedience is the greatest success and the Lord, he'll take care of what comes after that. He's Mm -hmm. the one who's responsible for the results. We're responsible for saying yes and stewarding well, what he puts in our hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet in this kind of realm of identity and side hustles that you wanted, wanted to make sure that we talked about? You know, I think the biggest thing for me just in walking this stuff out and you said it so well in that example with your son is just remembering that I am a deeply loved and highly valued child of God. And that's not because of what I do or how obedient I am or how big of a church I'm leading or how many people I'm coaching or how many books I write or whatever else it may be that when he looks at me, he is pleased Mm -hmm. first thing in the morning when I haven't even got out of bed yet and haven't put my face on and anything else. He is just pleased and he's so proud of me and he loves me like any good father would love their child. And Mm -hmm. he does give me gifts and it does bring him joy when I open them up and I use them and I play with them. And, and it does bless his heart when I am obedient to the things that he's put in front of me, but none of that is what earns me his love and affection. None of that makes me more deserving than the next person Mm -hmm. of his grace and his mercy and his favor and his goodness. He gives that because it's who he is, Mm -hmm. because he is literally love and grace and mercy and goodness and justice. He cannot act in any other way towards us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the beauty of it is knowing that my obedience or lack thereof my success or lack thereof cannot change the posture of his heart towards me. It's like asking an orange to be an apple and mm-hmm. orange is an orange. It doesn't matter what I do. The orange is still an orange. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with God's heart towards us. His posture is always going to be one of love and truth and grace and goodness and mercy and favor and joy and approval and affirmation. He's just asking me to respond in kind and whether I do or don't, still his child. Mm -hmm. I am still deeply loved and fully affirmed. And I think when that is the core, 
everything else falls into place. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so cliche to say it, but it honestly is. When that is the thing that I am seeking after harder than anything else, truly knowing whose I am and who I am, everything else, it literally does just fall into place. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that it starts Mm -hmm. with him. And I I love your emphasis on that. It doesn't matter what we do. It's, I took a preaching class last semester and from staff and she said that whenever we preach, it starts with God and then, and and then our response to whatever, but it's not, we do something, then God does something because that gets messy real fast. It always starts with God and his goodness Mm -hmm. and his love and whatever he's doing toward mm-hmm. us and then our mm-hmm. response but I love your emphasis on that there's nothing we can do and then he's always an orange that I'm gonna think about that a lot he's always an orange <laughs> I can't make I can't make him an apple no <laughs> He'll always be an orange no. his, his posture will always be one of love and I do you know I do think we have a, a, a responsibility to be obedient to discovering and unwrapping and using our gifts absolutely mm-hmm. and and have have and the hustles if yeah too yes Mm -hmm. do the work have the side hustles write the book write the blog do the podcast plant the church start the business stay at home love your kids whatever it is that he's called you to unwrap and use the gifts and you know don't worry about what everyone else wants to know what do you do just be prepared to have an answer for the father when he said what have you done with what i gave you Mm -hmm. i love that Mm -hmm. yeah so there are two questions I ask all of my guests. Okay. The first one is, since it's called Retreat House Podcast, how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? What does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. For me, it's more of a practice, just that regular kind of, oh, I was in a leadership development course once, and I can't remember which one it was and who said it, but they talked about the idea of diverting daily, withdrawing weekly and abandoning annually. Mm -hmm. And that always really stuck with me. How am I just kind of diverting and resting daily? How am I Sabbathing on a weekly basis? How am I abiding in the Lord for an extended period of time every year? And so um, for me, it's definitely more of a practice than a place. Um, The place could honestly be anywhere. It usually involves, um, coffee and a lot of very quiet time. Um, and honestly for me recently, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but, um, I had, uh, this mentor years ago, we partner with a church uh, called the chapel in Chicago and their lead pastor came down and he was doing some leadership development with our staff. And we were talking about the idea of when you are leading and when you are building something, it kind of feels like the work never ends. You know, you don't just punch a clock. You don't just put your numbers in at the end of the day and then leave it there. It's like it's always kind of with you. And so he talked about how important it was not only for his just personal kind of mental, emotional health, but also his spiritual health. It helped him to disconnect and abide and retreat to have some type of hobby, something that he could Mm. do that had a result. At the end of the day, I may have 27 different things still in process at church, but here's something that I did. And so anyways, it took me a long time to to find my thing, but um, I took up crochet, Mm. which felt so, you know, like the kind of I love um, Sarah Bessie, and she talks so much about, you know, the Jesus feminist and whatnot and how we've really kind of slaughtered the idea of what feminist really means and what it means to um, be a strong woman of God. But 
um, I started crocheting and I am not crafty or creative at all, but I found that it was something that was really soothing for me. It was really peaceful mm-hmm. and I love having this finished product. And so right now for me, if we're talking about like actually seeking the Lord, that's a little different, but just the idea of resting and mm-hmm. retreating is a quiet place with some kind of worship music and a hot cup of something in my hand. And I sit there and I crochet and I just, I talk to the Lord. I sit and I rest and we chat and it's just, it's, it's sweet. It's kind of my, my space. I love that. And that you have a physical thing that you can mm-hmm. see that you've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny, you know, every little thing that I've made, I can look at it and think like, oh yeah, you know what? That scarf. Oh, that's the San Francisco scarf. Mm-hmm. That's the scarf I was making when I sat there crying to the Lord about why and the heck he was sending us to San Francisco. <laughs> or that's, you know, that's my, that's my be on a podcast slippers. Oh yeah. That's the one that I was doing when we were talking about being on a podcast. So yeah, it's, it's kind of sweet to have something physical that reminds me of the time that I rested and retreated with the Lord mm-hmm. and what he did in that time. Mm-hmm. Like an Ebenezer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And totally. my second question is if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something mm-hmm. about yourself, what would that be? <laughs> oh, I feel like there's so many things, <laughs> so many, many things. The number one that probably sticks out though is I sing all the time. Um, show tunes, I mean, anything. For whatever reason, I'm constantly connecting uh, things that people say back to song lyrics, and I can't help but just start bursting out in song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to kind of try to like rein it in a little bit, but you know what? I found that I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I am past the point in my life where I care. And it's especially fun because, you know, it embarrasses my kids and that is deeply satisfying mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, um, but it's deeply satisfying for me. You know, I always used to say that I felt like I was, sur- when I looked at the people in my life, the other leaders of the pastors that I worked with and the mentors that I had, I always felt like they were just these like stallions, right? Mm-hmm. And that I was a chihuahua. You know, mm-hmm. the just super like high energy kind of yapping. And I always tried to like rein myself in and calm myself down. You know, I'm short. I'm five two. I don't have a super imposing presence in a room. I tend to talk really loud and really fast and be super high energy. And I was always like, you know what? No, I need to be calm and I need to be commanding in my presence and I need to change who I am. And I was, you know what? No, I'm going to celebrate the fact that half the time I am more Chihuahua than I am Stallion and that's okay. (laughs) That I am energetic and I jump around on stage when I preach and I talk loud and fast and I like to sing show tunes and I burst out in song in really inappropriate times. But you know what? Mm. I think God smiles. Mm. So hashtag celebrate weird. I love that. And I can relate (laughs) to it. I'm not going to lie. The time. Yeah. I don't know how hard it's been for me in this conversation right now to not just burst out in song. See, so just be thankful that I do have the, the capacity and the self-awareness to, you know, rein it in sometimes. Conversation. Sometimes. Yeah. The most awkward time is when it's like an in- inappropriate song that comes up that I start singing. <laughs> like I work on a, with a women's conference and we were talking about someone being internationally known. And so then I talked about how she rocks the microphone. And I was like, that's inappropriate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I think people are really going to be encouraged by it. Oh, 
Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is, it's really been a joy and an honor. I love the work that you do. We do. Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Thank you.